What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. <laughs> you're out of order. You're back. You're out of order. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Hi everyone, welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. We recorded this before this week's Champion League game, so the Stadio boys will cover those on Thursday's episode. Today, we're going to talk about Arsenal and Crystal Palace after the draw at the Emirates on Monday, plus some flowers for Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, and a little bit on England's two-game stadium ban. And my guest is Mr. Ryan Hun, Rilo Ren, a.k.a. <laughs> How are you, Ryan? I'm right, thanks, right. How are you? I'm really good, right? Yeah. Um, Chasta Flo, Flo couldn't be here. Flo, little, little, yeah. little tech issue, but she's going to be on yeah. in a couple of weeks instead. But um, no worries, man. It's a shame it's Flo's birthday as well, wasn't it? it? Was, yeah, Flo's birthday yesterday. Yeah, Happy birthday, man. Flo. Shares it with Emma Hayes. Hey, Emma Hayes. That's good, eh? Yeah. So it's a shame because I thought we were, we're going to do an hour on the Balloon League, right? <laughs> the Balloon World Cup. <laughs> the balloon. <laughs> Did you see that? No, I didn't oh see it. What talking about? Well, tell me about it. Oh, so I think these. These brothers in, in quarantine like did these TikTok videos where they kind mm. of had the balloon league. I was just keeping the balloon in the air at home. Yeah. And then Gerard Piquet's media company like turned it into an actual world championship. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first one last week. And uh, I've, Peru, have you seen it? Peru beat Germany in the final. It was wild. I want to see it. I haven't seen it. I want to <laughs> yeah, see it. It's really good. It's a bit of carnage. How's the game work? What happens? Just keep the balloon in the air. Can't touch the ball. <laughs> I remember when me was younger, me and, me and my brother used to do the balloon. Yeah. We used to play the balloon thing and keep the balloon up. I used to love just keeping the balloon up. Yeah. Just kicking I it up. I used to, I used to do time. balloon kick-ups, yeah. But yeah, there you go, man. We could have... Right, we could have been something. We, we could have been, been something. A balloon champ. Maybe they'll do like a balloon, uh, you know, like they do the football legends five-a-side thing. Yeah. They'll do like a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> the legends. legends. It's funny because like the margins in that as well. So are people diving all over the place? Yeah. Trying to get- and they, you know, they've got helmets on. It's all very like, you know, 
safety is a priority. Wow. Margins. Talking about margins, I watched, because one of my favourite films, I didn't watch it all, but you know when you just blast to a bit in it? Because mm. um, I, just, I just think it's easily, for me, the best sports speech, uh, motivational speech dressing room ever. In a dressing room, and it's any given Sunday, Al Pacino, it's... I was going to say, it's man, it's been, a, it's been a while since you mentioned inch. that on here. Yeah, it's been an inch. And it's funny because... I was flicking through what I was going to watch the other day and I couldn't come up with anything. So I watched a bit of that just for the, the margins, the margins. <laughs> <laughs> and what the margins mean and what an inch means. Um, but like, you know, I just, I just, I just loved. You know, what I, I think about is, would I be able to deliver that monologue? <laughs> if I, I was an well, actor. So if you can't deliver that monologue, you cannot say, sure, you want to act. Because all those people in the dressing room, all the people, what we can't see behind camera, everything. And Al Pacino's delivering that um, one inch speech. It's just, I, I just love watching when those things happen in, in, in films simply because I'm thinking, my God, he must practice for that and, and got the vibe for it and knew exactly how to deliver it. It was just, when I watch it again, it, it makes me feel like, I want to go! <laughs> well, dude, you got, t- you, got, you got TikTok now, isn't it? So why don't you do, uh, you should do, so, you should do, do like a, a series of righty reenacting classic Al Pacino moments in movies. <laughs> you could do one. When I, when I come over, we'll reenact the end scene in Heat. We'll and I'll do, just yeah. be, I'll just be like laying there being like, told you I wasn't going back there. <laughs> and you'll just be like, yeah, we'll go to Heathrow and do it at the end of the we, runway. We could do it. We could yeah. do it. I could do, yeah. could do some Scarface. Yeah. Could do some Carlito. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? Um, but like, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. You know something, right? It's the first time um, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I've, had, I've, I've always had to work on one of those days. And it's the first time I think it's five years that I've not had to do anything on both of those days. Wow. And I took the girls to took the girls to see um, James Bond again because um, obviously I'd seen it. Did they like and it? And I thought, yeah, I could take the girls because I've seen it, so I don't need to worry about it. So I can just like go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep because it's too good. I really urge people to go and watch it. It's just so good. Um, all the characters and everything. And again, like I really love that film. Daniel Craig, well, well done, my friend. Oh, well done. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Do we going to have to talk about Oh gosh, man. There was a game on Monday night. <laughs> Can I tell you the game on Monday night, which I was really looking forward to. Um, it's a really strange one for me, Ryan, because like I yeah, said- I was going to ask you about this. Yeah, it's a weird one because there's a generation of, maybe a couple of generations of um, 
Palace fan who just see me talking about Arsenal but don't understand the, the, the yeah you know the, the history of it. So I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it again. But they've got to understand that I was voted Palace Player of the Century for a reason. Um, and you know something, it's still one casually, of the casually it's draw easy. That in there. It's just, just casual, you know. Okay. Oh, and sorry, it's, sorry, it's me. one of those. Yeah, about but me? Ryan, it's, me, me, it's me. like the, what? The player of the season, me. Uh, player of the century, sorry, me. The player of the century. But what it what it makes me do? It makes me realize that there's a, there's a certain Palace fan that will always appreciate and know what that club means to me. But um, you know, it's it's really tough, but. You know, because I don't genuinely, I genuinely do not know who I want to win that game. You know what I mean? So obviously, you know, it becoming, it it being a draw mm. um, yesterday with Patrick and the way he set that team up, Ryan, they were brilliant without Wilfred Zaha. Remember that, I think mm. it's, without Wilfred Zaha, I think they've lost 18 out of 23 games and they should have won that game. They were more organised. They were, they were just more in they were invigorated they knew that they had us on the run and you know the way we started the game right I thought okay here we go but we just we just we can't we can't force ourselves on the team we can't we stopped closing down we backed off we gave them the impetus to come at us and it, but for poor final balls and, and poor passings and poor decisions from Palace could have easily gone in Two one down, maybe three yeah. one with the way it went. Right, it well, was, we, we were very fortunate in that game. We were. I mean, I was going to say something before we get into the serious, serious mm. uh, dissection of the game. So um, many people will know my good friend through the podcast, Southampton Rob. Mm. Uh, he lives near Crystal Palace. He sent me a text yesterday afternoon saying, "I've just seen Zaha on my road, casual," and I wrote, "Lovely stuff." And then he texted me just after kickoff saying, "He's not playing tonight." Now it wasn't me. <laughs> but yes so arsenal are a um they can be an odd football side a very odd football so side. i remember i wanted to kind of like take a little take a little walk down mm. there back to after the first game of the season against brentford when mm-hmm. um obviously there was a lot of uh um there was a lot of pain on social media from yeah. from Arsenal fans about, you know, what are we anymore? Is this mm-hmm. is this what we've got all to look forward to all season? And I remember saying that like well, first of all, that part, that that result against Brentford hasn't actually aged that badly. No. I don't think. No, but also done well. Arsenal were all over the place in terms of getting players back. Remember Erdogan hadn't signed yet. Mm. And you were very excited about Arsenal, what we were gonna do. Well, I was it wasn't necessarily excitement, it was more like there's no real point worrying about this out. yet yeah. because yeah. there are a lot of players coming in who are going to be the kind of part of the team let's say you know what six new players in the summer yeah I know that a lot of people will be like well how much time does Arteta really need but it's almost like that this team for the first time is like purely his team now because they managed mm-hmm. to clear out some people they've got a load of new people in who clearly he rates mm-hmm. and um, I remember writing saying that you know as good as Arsenal can be or as fun as this is, like this is going to be a, de- this is essentially a developing team and they're going to have moments where they drop the ball for want of a mm-hmm. better term. And I think as a fan base, it's kind of like you have to shift your parameters a little bit because you can't just, it's, it's really difficult just to go from being out of Europe to bouncing back into the Champions League, for example. It's like you have to 
view it in incremental steps, which I think is really hard. Like patience in a fan base is super difficult. But I think there is a core group of players here who are worth getting invested in. Um, but there are going to be moments, numerous, numerous moments, I think, for a while where you have, you have results like the Palace result. Mm. And actually, I'm really 50-50 about it because there are obviously visible problems there in terms of how Arsenal played. But also, that's like four, four games without a win at home against Palace now. Mm. They're not an easy team. So that's like my little Zen head disclaimer out of the way. But in mm-hmm. terms of like getting into the game itself, it's a really weird thing that happens with Arsenal where flew out the blocks, took the lead really mm-hmm. early on, and then just, just dropped just, back. Just stop. Just stop. There was a really interesting thing that someone wrote. It might have been between the posts online. Mm-hmm. Um, a comparison between Arsenal's pass map when they were ahead compared to where it was mm-hmm. when they were chasing the game. Mm-hmm. And it was like another 30 yards up the pitch. And it kind of seemed that as soon as Arsenal scored, they just let Palace just have it. Off. They backed off. There was no like applied pressure. Yeah, that's, this is, yeah but right, this is what I'm saying about um, they, it, it almost felt for me um, with Arsenal that it was, they were hoping that Palace were going to misplace pass rather than harrying and rushing people into mistakes like we saw what they done to us, like Conor Gallagher done to us. Mm. My God, he was amazing. What they'd done to us, because there was one step, I was, I'd done the game yesterday for the Premier League and I was watching it and I said, why is a Bamiang that deep when we really ideally need to start putting them under pressure? A Palace side that are, without playing as well as they're playing under Patrick, passing out from the back, Conor Gallagher's energy, you know, Odson, Edouard, Benteke looks revitalised. Are you always going to cause your problem? without the way that they're playing under Patrick Vieira, we can't, for some reason, beat Palace. So there was nothing that Arsenal could do, even if they scored that early. What would make me say, why are you sitting back and letting them come back onto you? This isn't Roy Hodgson's Palace that do not know how to progress the ball. This Mm. is Patrick Vieira's Palace, who have been behind against West Ham away from home and come back, scored two goals. Same with Leicester. Their league position and the results they've had, it doesn't reflect how well they're playing. But they're definitely like a a work in progress, aren't they? Massive work in progress. But you're so organised, Ryan. That's the thing, like the change from under Hodgson is massive. I think something like their average possession per game is like jumped by... 20% or something, isn't it? wild. That is the first kind of indicator that shows like how different an approach this Palace side is taking to games under, under Vieira than under Hodgson. He's lit in a Bunsen burner under people like, like Benteke. Yeah. I mean, his Benteke, was like, it was brilliant. But I don't think do he, should have, think, he shouldn't have been allowed to, to get... Like, right, do you not think much? the touch... And this is what I'm saying with the margins. And the same with Ben White for the second goal. I felt like, again, like I'm talking about the, any given Sunday and I mentioned the margins. There was a time, and as I talk about it with finishing, right? The goalkeeper or the defender against certain players, you're waiting for the poor touch so yeah. as it can give you an extra yard to come out. And in both instances for the goals, there was a touch that Benteke had that was too, that was too heavy. Mm. Gabriel, he hesitated. And obviously then, you know, Benteke was able to get the next touch and finish it very well. Same with, with Ben White. At some stage, someone's got to commit them and make a challenge mm. because Odd, like Edward, Odson Edward, he, 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 you could see him 
he was getting the ball into a position where he wanted to shoot. And ben, Benjamin just like, Benjamin, <laughs> just backed off. And I'm thinking, those are the margins. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I remember I sent a, a, a text to, to Roscoe saying, we're going to lose this. Mm. Because I couldn't see how we were, were going to try and keep the ball to then put them under the pressure after we'd scored. Because after we'd scored, and then listening to Mikel saying, yeah, he's happy with the way we came out in the second half. I wasn't because mm. I didn't see anything change. No, I didn't think they were that you know, great. Even when um, Sambi Lukonga came on, he looked a little bit, he didn't look as sharp with his pass. He got the ball and he ambled it out there. He was the one who got caught for the second goal. We just looked again, like we got, went into that place of, of, of apprehension, slow passing, not enough movement. And, you know, just giving the impetus to the, to, to Palace. And they took it. They, you know, they should have beat us. Should have won. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for the first goal, for the Benteke goal, yeah, Gabriel needs to do more there. Like he needs to do more. I think he's he's a good defender, Gabriel. And I think mm. that, you know, good defenders of which I am not. So I have to, uh, you know, obviously watch what I say. But there's there's a tell when you know someone is about to kind of pull the trigger. Yeah. And if that coincides with a with a poor touch that gives you an extra split second to set your feet and to at least get your body in the way from it. I'll tell you yeah. who was a master at it actually was John Terry. John Terry was yeah. an absolute yeah. master at spotting the point where a defender yeah. was going to, uh, where a striker was about to like go for it. Martin Keown as well. Keown, Martin yeah. Keown. Keown. And I know that there's a bit of a cliche kind of like, get your body in front of it. It's not that. Yeah. Like, you know, Maldini was a master at it and, he could tell and nip in when yeah. when players were about to kind of release. The Ben White one, Benjamin White one, I mm. have a little bit more sympathy for because I just think that sometimes the classic NBA analogy, like good offense beats good defense. And I actually don't think Arsenal are in that bad a setup. I don't think, I know Ben White's backing off him a little bit, but I think that's due to the way that the ball is, the, the way that the field is kind of broken. Like he actually did quite well in allowing players to, to get back in because Arsenal were outnumbered temporarily when, when Palace broke through I think I think it was just Arsenal were like two on three and then Lecomte mm. managed to get back in mm. and Luis, Luis he was coming out around the back side yeah, and Gallagher, well. would, Gallagher had like carried on his run as well if you actually like freeze it when Edward's on the edge of the box Arsenal aren't in a massive they, aren't in, they ain't in massively bad shape the, if you have that if you saw the view behind the, 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 the strike mm. There is a slight moment where I think like Edouard does this. He, he's quite clever here because I think he spots that Ben White's balance is slightly off. Slightly ben, off. ben White is slightly, slightly on his heels because the strike essentially just, he uses White as a bit of a decoy. A deco- yeah, he covers, yeah, for yeah. Ra- Ramsdale. And this it's, is it's, people, it's an amazing yeah. strike though. I mean, it's this a is great the thing. Strike, like, but- I think Ben White could, White could have potentially done a little bit better but also it's just it's one of those strikes that you're just like actually fair fucks sometimes yeah but sometimes the thing with right pull that out they will pull that out but like they're gonna pull that out if they're getting closer of course they are yeah, yeah. because remember he's trying to get close because for me take what i don't want there is ben white to get closer to me and the problem i've got with it is is that when he picked that ball up at no time does the gap between him with the ball and Ben White backing off, get closer in Ben White's favour. Mm. And I think that the closer he's getting towards the penalty box, it's just because of what I've seen. Like I say, I see it in training with Boldy, with Tony, with, with Martin Keown. 
they get their bodies in. If it means you have to get you closer and then let them do something to beat you. Mm. Let them do something to beat you. Because what happens is, is that there's no way Odson Edward doesn't think, well, I can shoot now. Mm. Because the gap doesn't get any smaller. No, there is no real gap. No, because like, for me, at, at some stage, Ben White's got to say, well, I've got to, I've got to engage him. Yeah. And so w- when he took the shot, he was in the box. Yeah. I think that's the only thing. If, but I think Ben White did pretty much everything spot on apart from... Do you think maybe, he held him up enough? Did he hold him up enough? I think he did initially, but then I think, like you say, I think he probably... If, if, I reckon if, if, if White looks back at that this morning, I think he'll, he'll be like... He'll pinpoint the point where he's like, maybe that's I where I should be engaged then. Yeah. But, and I, do you know what? I feel really sorry for Aaron Ramsdale because he didn't have no. a chance, I don't think, no. really. And he no. had... He had made some unbelievable saves My early God, on. That, that save, that save from Gallagher in the in the first half, just before half time. Mm. I'm not joking. Right? Honestly, <laughs> he actually, you actually see him when the ball goes out yeah. to Conor Gallagher. You actually see him take a peep over the bodies. I know. Did you see that? Yeah. He takes a peep over the bodies. He hits it, and he got across there. And I've got to say. I am so happy with him. Yeah. People were trying to say, well, goalkeeper, like yesterday I was with Glenn Murray, Steve Bowen, they were saying, goalkeeper, I'm saying, well, not really, not from there, simply because for me, the gap should have been tighter. And by the time he's hit it, and he's hit it, he's not laced it, he's kind of hit it knuckily. Yeah. Because, and it kind of I mean, flew. flew in. It's it really right. flew, didn't yeah. it? And like, you're thinking to yourself, well, how comes Ramsdale didn't get it? But that's what happens with these balls. If you catch them like that, they literally fly. And so, he was close enough and the power beat him. But I was thinking, again, he's made some saves where you're thinking he's, he's getting better, man. Yeah, he really like is. Some of the passes, just say some of the passes, what he was doing out of the, out from his area. The thing that I've been quite impressed with him is that he seems to have learned, like he had that one error against Spurs mm. where Xhaka managed to get out of trouble. He seems to be comfortable enough that like, if nothing really is, if, if there is nothing on, he'll just go long. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, which he should do. And I, and I think that's quite Edison City does yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I can remember a quicker redemptive arc in a football terms than from a signing to mm. a few months later. Because a lot, so, so many people were just like, "Why are you spending twenty five million on yeah. a backup keeper mm-hmm. when anyone with anyone who had half an eye on Arsenal would have known that if it hadn't have been this season, it would have been next season that he would have been mm-hmm. the first choice. So you're buying yeah. a potential first choice goalkeeper yeah. in a yeah. year's time. I think that progress has happened sooner than Arsenal probably would have imagined. Now, I was speaking to, to Glenn Murray and Glenn Murray saying, it's a lot of money. And I said, listen, we're talking about what, a 24-year-old, right? Could be there for Who, over a decade. Right, a 24-year-old who's already had two seasons in the Premier League. Yes, he's gone down. But the experience that he's had at 24 can only make him better. He's in the Arsenal first team at 24. He's been in the England setup occasionally. He's been in the England setup. We're talking about somebody that, if he had two seasons where he didn't go down, we probably might not get someone like him. We probably don't get him. I think it's a blessing. I do. I'm not sure if it's Arsenal specifically, but I do think sometimes football clubs are kind of damned if they do and they're damned if they don't when it comes to signings. Arsenal have been criticised for spending too much money on players later in their careers. But before that, people were were kind of criticising Arsenal for not spending enough money on experienced players. Then Arsenal actually finally have probably their most clearly defined window in a long, long time 
And people mm-hmm. are like, whoa, why are they spending all this money on like a 23-year-old or a 22-year-old or a 21-year-old? Mm-hmm. And oh, they've spent the most in the Premier League. But mm-hmm. but yeah, they needed to actually. They needed yeah, to. And to. they've bought potential and they've bought for it's the a, long term. Yeah. It's the ceiling of these players. Yeah, right? and they've bought players that if they don't work out, mm-hmm. they actually have assets that can generate income, which Arsenal's transfer policy hasn't. I mean, the, the amount that Arsenal have recouped in transfer funds over the last probably decade compared to the yeah, likes was, of some of the other top teams has been yeah. has been pretty poor. Yeah. I think already he's he's proved himself to be good enough to, to, to be an Arsenal goalkeeper. More than he's number one for yeah. me. Without even thinking. Sorry, I know I'm rambling a bit, but one thing I was thinking oh. through the game last night was or after the game actually was whether with Arsenal not playing midweeks mm. anymore, obviously Mikel gets a lot more time with them on the training ground. And I was wondering whether maybe the like the signs of the like a bit being a bit lethargic or passive might have been maybe down to the him not having so much of them through mm. the international break. Because yeah, also but he you, was away, wasn't he? Because there was a yeah. like, picture of him at the Dubai Expo and stuff like that. Yeah, but I, I, I thought that, I, I thought that this was the, the sharpest I've seen a Bamiang start. Did you see the, yeah, he was, the work yeah. he was putting into that so, game? It, uh, I think it was Jason Concepcion was just like, yeah. headband over is different. Like, <laughs> headband over is like on some sauce, bro. Because like, to the point where I was thinking, Oba, 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 you know, you want to you, you just slow down, just slow down. But then you looked at it and then you, you, you watched the way Arsenal kind of, once we scored the goal, and it was a fantastic goal, the way he Sorry, finished babe. that. He's, he's, his awareness and his finish, it was just brilliantly instinctive and, and what he's all about if you get that ball in, in that box. And I was saying to myself, why aren't we keeping Oba as high up as possible mm. Get the guys behind him to start pressing Palace at source. Let Palace play out. Let them try and play, play through a press because there was certain instances with Palace where, whether it was MacArthur or Milivojevic, or, they weren't quite getting that pass in. It weren't quite happening. So you just needed to be tight enough on them to take advantage of the mistake, what may come. But I think what we done was we kind of dropped off and said, right, let them have possession and we'll try and see if they make a mistake in possession, then we'll do it, rather than forcing them into one. Because what I saw with Palace is that they got more and more confident as the game went on. I thought Joel Ward at right back, Tariq Mitchell at, 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 left, at um, left back were unbelievable. We couldn't get past them. Yeah. Kieran Tierney was like anonymous in that game. You know, in the end, we kind of like, they kind of p- pushed on. You could see Conor, Conor um, Gallagher, if it was Partey going in or if it was Erdogan going in, whoever it was, was going, he was following them in and making it very difficult for Arsenal to play out. Mm. And then what we done, we slowly just retreated more mm. and more, even more so when we scored. And so I was thinking to myself, we're talking about a Palace team that are different. They're thinking to themselves, oh, we're growing in this game. It's going to be a matter of time. And only for some loose passes in that in the first half where Palace could have had a lot more opportunities on our goal. And I tell you, I'm worried, Rai, simply because from the first three games, I think you expect us to not get too much out of Chelsea and Man City. I wanted more from Brentford. And it's always, like you say, that would probably age well, the Brentford result. Mm. When you see how they've, how they've gone on to, to do very, very well. But then the, the Norwich and Burnley, I was happy with. Tottenham obviously was over the moon. Brighton, I was kind of like, I don't mind if we're not going to play well, but 
we should be able to, against a team that's organised, still have our plan where we're going to try and close them down, win the ball, and then our key players, whether it's Saka, Erdogan, Emma Smith-Rowe, Pepe, if it's Pepe, whatever it is, um, Bamiya, can still do their stuff, Ryan, because at the moment, a, a good organised team against us, for some reason, we, we're not breaking them down. We're not closing. We're not forcing the issue. And I thought Palace were very good yeah, without their main good, man. Yeah. They were excellent. Patrick have got them going. And it's really strange because I was really nervous for Patrick because I, it's a great result for me, 2-2 two, two, in <laughs> the end, because I was happy for Patrick. I'm happy for Palace. And I'm obviously very disappointed for, for Arsenal because if we're going to beat them, I want to beat them in a way where, well, they didn't have a chance against us. Mm. But in the end, we were lucky to get a point. Yeah. And I want, I'm, it just makes me think, what, what are we doing in, on the training? Why we can't force ourselves on the opponents? What are we doing? What, what, what aren't we doing? Why, where's the confidence gone? And why is it leaving us when we get a goal? And it didn't leave us against Tottenham. Why is it leaving us? I mean, that's, maybe that's just the, the added element of it being a derby, which it shouldn't be because Palace essentially, technically, is still a London it's a derby. derby. Yeah. But I think we're going to learn a lot from Arsenal over the next few games in the league because the good thing about this is that they haven't got long to wait. Villa at home Friday. That's going to be a tough game, right? It is going to be a tough game. We could be sat here next week talking about how amazing Arsenal were against Villa. We don't know. I think that the Villa game, the Leicester away game, mm. uh, and the Watford at home, three really key games because they're three yeah. games against three very different sides but they're three games that Arsenal should in theory at least be getting what seven points from yeah but the thing is you, you say that Ryan I look at Leicester and Leicester against a, a Man United side full of like we saw it more than anything there if you know no closing down no real no real idea of what they're doing and Leicester against us with us trying to I don't know back off even when we've scored, is not good for us. Leicester are too well organised because I know Liverpool, I'm, I'm not even frightened because if I'm going to tell you, I can't see us getting anything from a Liverpool with arguably the best player in the world at the moment playing for them in Mo Salah. Oh, I thought you were going to pay Musa lip service there and be like, Curtis Jones. <laughs> Curtis Jones. Best player in the world. Let's number eight. <laughs> Can I just, just quickly, yep. like the, the MacArthur challenge on oh yeah we haven't talked about this right Ryan I've got to say I literally fucking lost my shit at the Premier League yesterday because as a footballer you know there's always some player that you might think I want to kick him if I get the opportunity and the way this ball came to James MacArthur and the way Bukayos went to meet the ball to kick it for James MacArthur to continue without any hesitation in fucking launching him right he should have been sent off. Should have gone, yeah. Right? There's absolutely because no he doubt could about actually that. see, because there's, there's, there's sometimes you can see where someone's getting ready to kick and then a player comes at the last minute, Ryan, mm -hmm. and then you catch them. Bang, you could see it. But he saw him kick the ball because the ball's in front of him yeah. and he didn't pull out from, from kicking him. And, and now Bukayo Sacco's out, might miss Friday, and they didn't send him off. Thing is, it wasn't even like a uh, down to interpretation. No. Even in real time, as soon as exactly. you saw it, I was just like, how the no. fuck is he still on the field? Yeah. Footballers have lightning fast reactions. Mm. So quick, right? Bukayo Saka has hit the ball at like, what, chest height? Cleared it away? Easily. He went, went up for it, yeah. So the ball's gone. So Yeah, so you can, you, you pull so out. You've or got you, to pull you, out. Yeah. And you, he, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He kind of, he commits to it and follows through with it. And 
it was it was really nasty. Like it really was a nasty, nasty one. Yeah, and and you know what? It's to to get a kick like that. You can see I, I, when he when on he's the, walking off, leg, I said like, he's, he's I said yeah. he's not coming back, yeah. right? When he when he came, he came, I said he, he and he didn't come back out for the second half because you got to talk about the strike. That strike was he's full. He was going for a full volley. What do you think Patrick took him off for in the end? Took him off. He, he should have been sent off at some stage. He pulled down Emil Smith Rowe, you know, and Saka got pulled down, um, got booked for like tripping somebody when they was going through. He got tripped. Because, like James McArthur pulled out Emil Smith Rowe, didn't book him, and then he, he he was able to get away with that. So you think to yourself, like I said to them last night, why does Dermot have to come out here and 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 and, and like whitewash the mistakes? Why can't Peter Scott come out and explain to us why that wasn't a sending off? So as we could say, oh, I see what you see. As much as Palace deserved to win that game, you know, where's what's the officials doing? I'm not saying Graham Scott, Pal- the referee. Graham Scott, sorry, yeah. not Peter Scott. Graham Scott. Yeah. Uh, it's I, like the other day I mentioned, I just, I keep, I'm getting names wrong. I said Christian Favre instead of Lucian. Oh. It's just like, I think to myself, oh my God, why have I said Christian? Why have I got Christian in my head? It's really strange because I've done the Premier League yesterday, done the game. And I was nervous. I, while I was talking, I felt like I was talking like this. And I've just, when when he, when Steve Bell was asking me the questions, I just felt like all the stuff that I had, I was going, yeah, because they've done this and they've done that. And I, and what I have to, what's going to happen is Palace has been drawing. And I remember Roscoe sent me a message saying, "Why? What, what's wrong? Why are you speaking so fast? <laughs> I'm not shouting. Why are you shouting? What are you shouting for? We're to, it's like I was trying to get all my knowledge into the first answer. And that's something that, again when you're doing it, you feel like live to all those people's going on and you just feel sometimes the nerves just kick in. I've not yeah. been doing it for a long time, but then the nerves kick in. And I think it was the nerves of it being Palace and Arsenal. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus you can track your training, nutrition and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Can we have, have a little two minutes with Liverpool and show, Mo Salah to being the best best player in the world at the moment? Oh, is this, because is this right? We're we going flowers. More flowers. I have to give him flowers simply because I remember, I remember sitting on Match of the Day talking about, and I've got, I've got to say as well, even before, I keep getting cooked for stuff that comes back. <laughs> I remember getting cooked for Vardy. When Vardy, when, they, when, when Leicester all those years ago beat 
uh, Man United like five three. Vardy's just like ripped them to shreds. And I said, if this guy, you know, come out of the non-league for a million pounds and now he's here, if he carries on like this, this is an England international. This guy's going to score goals in this league. Cooked. You know, I mentioned about Oli and his his tactics and what he's doing. Cooked. I remember saying about <laughs> I got cooked. Saying about Mo Salah gives me messy vibes. Cooked, right? I've seen Messi score. I've seen, <laughs> seen Mo Salah score two goals. One against City, one against Watford that are Messi-esque. I'm just saying what I'm seeing. Mm. Like catchphrase. Say what you see. Say what I'm you just see. Say, say what you see, What's baby. Mr. Chip's doing? Well, he's actually, he should be closing down a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> actually. But we were talking about Mo Salah and we, yes. we, we give him some props on Stadio. Let's give him props again. Should we do, yes. just, but also, Sadio Mane has to get love. Third African player you know, to score 100 Premier League give goals. You, I've got a quiz question. Quick on. one for you, right? So there's three players now. So Sadio Mane is one. There's two other players who've got to 100 Premier League goals without a penalty. Do you know who they are? Let me think. Without a single penalty. Without a penalty. Shearer used to take him. Yeah. You didn't. Oh, you No, no, no. You I did. did. I, saw, I, I saw it yesterday. Fucking 16 penalties. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fraud. So that means only only ninety seven was only ninety seven should have counted. Penean right? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, I should have looked at this because I was reading the article. No. Do you want to know? Yeah, go on, tell me. Okay, Les Ferdinand, Emil Heskey. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And Les Ferdinand scored a goal that they took off him. He should have hundred and fifty. They took a goal off of him. It came off his chest or something. And they said it came off the defender. He should have 150 Meanie. Premier League goals. The FA are mean. You know what I mean? You're all meanies. All right. So we've given him flowers on Wright's House before, these two. Yes. Should we give yes. him some more? I think we should because, you know, I think it's been a, is it a perfect storm for Liverpool? Because you look at it now and we know that Liverpool have to sell someone, had mm. to sell someone to finance the next, um, to the, the Liverpool dynasty, right? So because of pandemic, they don't get sold. So now you've got Mo Salah getting ready to sign a new deal. It's funny because I had to answer a question on it last night. And I'm saying, yeah, but you can't sign people on what they've done. And I thought, oh God, have I started? I've, oh, I haven't started Oh anything. no, I'm going to get cooked again. Oh, I'm going to get cooked. <laughs> um, but then I thought to myself, because I, and I said, uh, the reason why I said that is because you have to look at Mo Salah. And I wasn't saying it, oh, don't sign him just because of what he's done. I'm looking and say, will Mo Salah at 33, 34, be doing what he's doing and you think to yourself there's a good chance there's a good chance he lives Especially well now you just look at all the yeah. like how let's say an evolution in, in, evolution. in strikers and the way that they're preserving themselves yeah. and the way they're working you think to yourself now if I can afford to you look at Mo Salah now and how he's playing will he be doing it in three years time with the way he looks after himself probably mm -hmm. he'll be doing something he'd still be doing something so you think to yourself yeah sign him same with Mane you know Who's, where's Mane going to go? Is he going to run his contract down and then maybe leave on a free to go where? If you could sign him, I'd probably sign him as well because you want to keep that going until something of, of real repute comes along, a play of real fucking top, top draw quality comes along and is able to dislodge him. I'm keeping those two because they are unbelievable in their consistency. Unbelievable. Do you know what I found quite interesting? I was watching a, mm -hmm. uh, an interview with Jal Felix with the great, Louis Miguel, Louis Miguel from uh, Kei Galazzo on CBS. Right. Jal uh, Felix loves Liverpool. Does he? Is it going to happen? You see the thing with Liverpool and Klopp, 
if you're a young player anywhere in the world and you're worth any kind of worth your salt, you can't not look at Liverpool and feel excited about that. Literally, Anfield, bro. Even just playing yeah, at Anfield. The thing is, though, the thing is, though, the club, club's going to go, isn't he? He's already kind of said, like, I'm going to go. He seems to think he's going to go at the end of his contract, right? Well, well, it's just leaving it for Stevie G. Stevie, Stevie G, G man. But, then, but you've seen it with, with looping this back to, to, to Palace and, like, like, so many of that squad grew up being Arsenal fans. Yeah. Playing under a legend like that helps. Yeah. Like, people want to go to work every day mm. to work for a legend. That's it's what makes the Manchester United thing very, very yeah. difficult is that Ole is very popular. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I think, I think that Liverpool's going to be, Liverpool yeah, Liverpool. be fine, man. Yeah, but can I say, with just quick, quickly with Man United and the loyalty they have to their legend, mm. that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and he took them through a period with after Mourinho, which they needed, he steadied the ship. He got it back to how Man United want to be known and want to and want to perform because those games, what was it, eleven games or mm. something on the spin, and then that, rec- that record away run as well. That record, yeah. And then you started to see the cracks of well, mm, what's the pattern? How are they playing? Mm. Are they any further forward than what they were after those unbelievable eleven games he did when he first took over huh? with? exceptional players. You see Greenwood's goal. I know. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. You know, that's just like somebody says, I don't give a fuck about this chaos. <laughs> Look at me. Watch what I'm going to do now. Bam. Fuck the chaos, man. <laughs> I am the chaos. <laughs> hey, speaking of chaos, before we get out of here, Good. in case people have missed it, England have got a mm. two game stadium ban, one of which has been suspended for two years or yeah deferred for two years for the crowd trouble that happened on the the Euro final dark day in English football history dark by now people will obviously have known what has gone on the FA has also been fined a hundred thousand euros eighty four and a half thousand pounds for the disorder should have got more it should be more I think I think I think to be honest I think this is quite lenient from from UEFA you know what what I've been reading when I've read this stuff is that Wembley has always been a soft touch for people who do that um, jigging in stuff. Always been a soft touch. You get to Wembley, you get around, you can kind of jig in. And I think this, for a certain fan, and we know the fan we're talking about, that aggressive, drunk fan who will go there and bully families, bully people. I was in the stadium. Mm. You could see people, you could visibly see people holding their kids. You could see women like crying. You could see the, the, the chaos in there. It was horrible to see. Because Wembley, have got, they've got a history. Mm-hmm. They've got a history of people bunking in and a disruption at Wembley. And I think that the FA, with everything that was going on, totally underestimated the calibre of fan. And people talk about, yeah, well, we have to say, yeah, but the pandemic and people hadn't been out. And then there's no excuses. It's never an That's excuse for, for us. that. I mean, it's never an excuse well, no for excuses. that. No excuses. No excuses. When you look back at it, Ryan, it was horrible to watch. But you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to go there. They're going to probably roll out all the big names, big faces and this and that. And they're going to try and say, oh, that was a one-off because of the pandemic, because people hadn't been out, because England were in a final the first time in 55 years. No excuses. There was no excuse for the way people acted. When you saw how our families were treated, people racially abused, stewards, under policing, and it's not the first time. Happened in the semis as well. The semis. So... I believe that Brian, for me, should have got banned for more yeah. and we should be playing behind closed doors for longer. Punishments like that, the same with the racial abuse stuff that we've talked about before, like 
there's no point just half-assing the punishments. You have to no. make it a deterrent. And yeah. playing one game in the Nations League behind closed doors is oh not a deterrent. Oh my God, it's embarrassing. It's not really a deterrent. I'm pleased about that we're getting recognised because remember, it's only a couple of weeks where we're seeing how they were acting with the Hungarian fans and what was going on and how we were so appalled. Oh my God. Was a, no, we need to get our fucking house in order. And that's why when things happen, you think to yourself, well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to say condemn, condemn Hungary or Bulgaria. We've got the exact same people here. Just that kind of like level of anger and hatred and discrimination yeah. in football guys. There's just no place for it anymore. Like there was never really a place for it anyway. There's definitely no place for it now at all. And like people need to feel safe in stadiums. People need to, people need to be able to go to, to a football match without fearing that some fuck is going to throw something at them or like yes. that there's going to be a load of people like charging the stadium. It's just wild. It's, it's like it's 2021, the, the stadium essentially gets overrun on the final of an international tournament. It's bizarre. Yes. I've got to go, Ray. Are you bouncing, brother? I go, yeah. Okay, no, you got to yeah. bounce out of the house. You got to bounce out of the house. Well, well, I'll speak to you. Speak to you soon. Hey, I heard just, I heard just seeing Moose next week. Yeah, Moose isn't. Yeah, me and Moose, um, oh, we're man. doing some more. We're doing some more touring. We're doing some more striking out touring. Listen, I'm coming over next month. and We're going to hang out. I want some. It's going to be so time. cool. I've got so much plans for oh, you, yeah. bro. I can't wait to see you. It's, Can I, I see I, you, I, man? I might cry. Right, I might. Oh, I might no, be emotional. It. I might I'm cry. Love you, man. Take care. Take it easy. I love you, man. Speak to you soon. Okay, thank you everybody for listening to uh, Righty's House. Thank you very much to Ryan Hun. Always a pleasure. Listen, guys, like I say, you know, stay safe, stay well, and I will see you again next week. God bless. Take it easy. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.